the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. The second word for love is agape. And you've heard that term. This is a supernatural love, a sacrificial love. This is a love that's God's love. This is Calvary's love. This is 1 Corinthians love. This is the love that says, I don't love you because of who you are. I love you because you simply are. It's unconditional love that always results in action and sacrificial giving. That's the kind of love that Peter says, now you love one another fervently. Love that's not based on who you are, but just the fact that you are. The word fervently means with an intense strain. You love them fervently. We need fervency for one another. That's what God is calling us to. That's a great burden on my heart. It takes the work of God's Spirit in your heart and my heart to love one another. The kind of love that sacrifices for one another. That's the kind of love we need. Not the kind of love that does things out of convenience sake. Anybody can do that. It's the kind of love that gives of itself and if necessary lays down its life for itself. As we closed out our last verse-by-verse program, Pastor Steve started to explain to us what Peter meant when he encouraged his readers to fervently love one another. But that was after he had just commended them for loving the brethren. As you just heard, the Greek word agape is part of the explanation. We are continuing on with today's verse-by-verse program to explore the living word as Pastor Steve Kreloff will be teaching from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. The depth of love the Apostle Peter is referring to in this passage is not something we see in our society today. So this teaching is particularly important for us to not only understand, but put into practice in our lives. With that in mind, let's approach today's lesson with an open heart to hear what God's Word has for us today. Here is Pastor Steve. Think of the times when you meet people and you greet them and you say, Hi, how are you? Or how are you doing? And you don't even listen to what their response is. I heard recently, it's a true story, I heard of a pastor who did that. And a young man, he said, How are you? And he said, Well, my brother just died. And the fellow said, Good, fine. Glad to hear that. And went on. And someone brought that to his attention. He had to go back and ask that brother's forgiveness. It's so easy to say the right things just to fulfill the cultural obligation of greeting one another, and yet it's meaningless. We hide behind the mask. We couldn't care less, but we feel we're obligated to do that. It's easy to fake love. But if you look closely at verse 22, it could seem confusing. First, Peter commends these believers for now loving their brethren, and then he tells them to love one another fervently. Now, why would he commend them for loving and then say, but now you love them? Now go on and love them. 
The solution is two different Greek words which translate in our language love. The first word is the word phileo, and it means to like on a friendship basis. That's what it means here. One Greek writer says this about the word. He says, it's a love of liking. One likes another person because that person is like himself in the sense that the person reflects in his own personality the same characteristics, the same likes and dislikes that he himself has. The saying goes, birds of a feather flock together. The species has an attachment for itself based upon similarity of character. In other words, the people you like are the people just like yourself. You like them. And because somebody's a Christian, you're going to have a very human attachment to them. People of like-minded faith. That's what Peter is saying. Now you've got it straightened out. Now you've purified your soul. Now you like other Christians. It's a total human liking. A fond affection. But it's on a human level. And the thing that caused this sincere love was obedience to the word. They had purified their souls in obedience to the truth. And when you don't like other Christians and revert back to your old friends and ways, it's because you aren't obeying the word of God. When you obey the word of God, which teaches that you ought to not only love one another, but at least have some human liking, because you're people of like-minded, precious faith, then you turn things around and you love them, because the word of God tells us not to be prejudiced. But the second word for love is agape. And you've heard that term. This is a supernatural love, a sacrificial love. This is a love that's God's love. This is Calvary's love. This is 1 Corinthians love. This is the love that says, I don't love you because of who you are. I love you because you simply are. It's unconditional love that always results in action and sacrificial giving. That's the kind of love that Peter says, now you love one another fervently. Love that's not based on who you are, but just the fact that you are. The word fervently means with an intense strain. You love them fervently. We need fervency for one another. That's what God is calling us to. That's a great burden on my heart. It takes the work of God's Spirit in your heart and my heart to love one another. The kind of love that sacrifices for one another. That's the kind of love we need. Not the kind of love that does things out of convenience sake. Anybody can do that. It's the kind of love that gives of itself and if necessary lays down its life for itself. We live in a day and age that knows very little about that. Our society is totally turned against any kind of self-giving love. Everything is for me. And I'll tell you one of the evidences of that. Even Christian women, when they have children today, when they find out they're pregnant, many times are depressed about it. Not because there's simply a hormone change in them, but because by having another baby, sometimes they feel that they just don't want to sacrifice. It's inconvenient. They don't want to be laid down in the house. They don't want their schedule messed up. You hear Christian women say that, and I'm just using them as an example. They get pregnant, and all of a sudden it's an inconvenience. Rather than Hannah in the Old Testament, as we said this morning, went and prayed and asked God to open her womb. And let me say this, that whenever God gives a child, which you wonder what that has to do with any of this, but whenever God gives a child, it's a gift. The Bible says God opens the womb. One of the greatest gifts, apart from salvation, and the things connected with salvation, is a child. But let me say why I'm saying this. Because this is just one evidence of the fact that we are so influenced by our society that we are so self-centered and non-sacrificial that we don't even want to sacrifice for a child. Second Timothy 3, 1 and 2 says this, But realize this, that in the last days difficult times will come, for men will be lovers of self. Self-centered, centered on us, not wanting to sacrifice for anybody, not even our children. And that's why I bring it up. If we won't sacrifice for our children, 
we hardly will sacrifice for other Christians. So the day and age that we're living in, especially, it has always been part of man's nature, but we are living in a day and age characterized by that. These are some heavy thoughts. I realize that, and God has just burdened me to share this. You know, in the early church, they had no buildings. They had homes. And sometimes I think that buildings are a curse. Sometimes. When it's raining, I obviously don't think that. When it covers us. But sometimes I think that because we've lost the concept that the church is not what goes on simply on Sunday, though that's part of it. The church is what goes on during the week. That's why one of the reasons there's a plurality of elders. Because no one person can minister to all the people. And the church is not just gathering together on Sunday. It's ministering throughout the week. Over and over again, the New Testament exhorts us to one another exhortation. Do you ever see that in Scripture? The term one another used? Gene Getz has written a book on that. And let me share with you some of the things the Bible says that we ought to be involved in one another's lives. We're called to be members of one another, devoted to one another, to honor one another, be of the same mind with one another, accept one another, admonish one another, greet one another, serve one another, bear one another's burdens, submit to one another, encourage one another. You get the idea after this that God is interested in us being vitally involved in one another's lives, not just caught up with our own families, not just caught up with our work, but loving the brethren fervently. Like I said, if persecution ever came, we would simply scatter because we have no binding love to one another. I can't put that in your heart. I can't do that. No program can do that. The Word of God can. How do you develop this intense love for one another? Like I said, not by a program, but look at verse 23. For you, he's connecting the two, for you have been born again. Why do you fervently love one another? Why did they love one another in Peter's day? For you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and abiding word of God. In other words, Peter says, you have the divine life within you, and that life is the life of love. God is love, First John says, and you have everything you need to love. Love is not a feeling. Love is an act of the will that obeys the word of God. If you wait to love somebody and sacrifice for them when you feel like it, you'll never do it. Believe me, I never feel like sacrificing for anybody. Never, ever. If I waited till I felt like sacrificing for somebody, I'd never do it. Love is not a feeling. Love is an act of the will in response to the word of God. You have everything you need to love. And the whole point of this is that God's word has produced that special love because God has entered your life in the person of the Holy Spirit by the word of God. The word of God has produced that special love because God has put his seed within us. We have the divine nature. We have the Holy Spirit. We have everything we need. Therefore, you have the capacity to love anybody and everybody, and especially the brethren. That's why we said that the first thing God's word produces is a special love for the brethren. Nothing else can do that. Only our response to the word of God. You can't have cheap substitutes. And there are churches who are so program-oriented that they have tried to substitute a program for love. That can be only produced by the word of God. The word of God is the seed out of which the divine nature springs up in the human soul. That's the whole point of the parable of the sower. The sower went out and he sowed some seed. God is love. And we're his children. And he indwells us. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. That's how we can love. That's how we have a special love. God has to work that in our midst. Or else we will not be the kind of church he wants us to be. 
There's another thing that God's word produces. We'll look at this quickly because we've touched upon it, and that's not the heart of what we want to say. It's salvation. We already read that verse. We have been born again. The living word produces in us eternal salvation because it is the eternal word of God. No one is ever saved apart from the Bible. Romans 10, 17, that familiar verse says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. James 1, 18 says, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we might be, as it were, the first fruits among his creatures. God is able to produce an eternal living salvation within us because we have an eternal living word that's within us. The psalmist said, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Forever. It's living. It produced salvation in us. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall not pass away. That's why, since his word is eternal, we have eternal life. But this is the heart of what we want to say. The third thing that the word of God produces, not only does it produce a special love for the brethren, not only does it produce salvation, but it produces spiritual growth. Verse 23 tells us we've been born again. That's the first step. You've received salvation. Now Peter says, grow. The most pathetic sight is to see a Christian who's never grown or who's grown very little. He's never developed spiritually. He has life, but he's like a baby who's been stunted in his development by one thing or another. Their growth is stunted because they refuse to study the word of God. They have no appetite for scripture, no appetite, intense desire for the Bible, and they suffer from spiritual malnutrition. Now, I could imagine that the people reading Peter's letter really weren't very concerned about spiritual growth. They were just concentrating on plain old survival, weren't they? I mean, here Peter says, listen, you grow. But even in the midst of surviving, God says, I put a priority upon growth. You see how important it is? Even when you're facing death, God says, I want you to grow. You may be with me tomorrow, but right now you grow. Peter calls them to growth. Persecution ought to encourage us to grow. God uses that. It ought to encourage us to know the word of God. The psalmist said, it's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy word. The Bible refers to itself as milk, meat, bread. And it's pure and wholesome spiritual food to a Christian. Most Christians can't grow, though. And they won't grow because their diets consist of spiritual French fries, Cokes, and M&Ms. And that may seem funny, but that's true. Most of us are on such a spiritually weak diet that we're on junk food. We're on spiritual junk food. And the spiritual junk food is found in verse 1 of chapter 2. This is the spiritual junk food that Peter says, putting aside these things. You put them aside. You get this diet out of your life. This is the things that hinder you from taking and desiring the sincere milk of the word. Putting aside literally means, I stated this a number of weeks ago, strip off your clothes. It means to get rid of these things that weigh you down. It's the word used in Hebrews 12.1, which says, laying aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Anything that would entangle you, anything that would load you down, you just get it off. You take it off. And Peter says, take away these things. Get rid of them. Get the junk food out of your life. There are five things that he's going to tell us that have to go. You cannot be a growing Christian unless you get this out of your life. Number one, there's malice. He says, putting aside all malice. This is a general word for wickedness. In Peter's day, it referred to the evil of the world surrounding the church. In other words, it was worldliness. Peter says, get off worldliness. Take it away. Don't be like the world. Now, some of us have a distorted view about worldliness. I heard it said, the old saying, that this is worldliness. I don't drink, smoke, or chew, and I don't run with girls who do. And to some of us, 
that that's all we think of worldliness. I don't do this, I don't do that, and I don't run around with people who do these things. That's not worldliness. Worldliness begins in your mind. Anything that's contrary to the word of God, that's worldliness. Any way the world thinks and you are in conformity to that, that's worldliness. What you do beyond that is really secondary. That's not the issue. The issue is your thinking. If you think like the world, you will act like the world. A young man once said to a famous Bible teacher, he said, Sir, I'd give the world to know the Bible like you. The teacher looked him in the eye and said, And that's exactly what it will cost you, the world. If you're going to be a growing Christian and take in the word of God, you have got to strip off the world. Worldliness has to go. The attitude of anything contrary to the principles of God's word, whether it be terribly immoral or something that's very subtle, has to go. As that Bible teacher said, it will cost you the world. You cannot mix the two together. If you take unworldliness, you will not have a desire for the word of God. Secondly, there's guile. He said, in all guile, it means deception. It literally means, now catch this for all of you who like to fish. It literally means to catch with bait. And you know why it means that? Because when you catch a fish with bait, you're deceiving that fish because he thinks you're an animal lover. And he thinks you love fish and you're going to give him bait that he's going to really enjoy. But you don't love fish. You love to eat fish. But you don't love fish. You are deceiving that fish. You are catching him with bait. And that's the word that's used here. Guile. You are deceitful. God says that has to go. That has to go. Deception has to be out of your life. Thirdly, hypocrisy. It's similar to guile. It means to be a phony. We went over about it before about being an actor, masking your real feelings. God says, throw off this garbage. Get it out of your life. You will never be a growing Christian and take in the word of God if you have hypocrisies in your life. Fourth, there's envy. It's self-centeredness. It's jealousy. It's selfish ambition. It's ambition to glorify yourself. To think of yourself as better than someone else. That's envy. Get it out of your life. Then finally, it's slander, which means gossip. Evil speaking about someone else. You know, we're so clever in our gossip. We're very sophisticated. I had a friend who always had a way of wanting to get gossip, but he did it in a pseudo-spiritual way, and he did it this way. He would ask you about somebody who he knew that you knew about this person, and when you'd look at him strange, like, as if to say, why are you asking me this? You know what his response would be? I just want to pray more intelligently about it. And that sounds so good, but it's wrong. If you're talking about someone else with another individual who's not part of the problem or the solution, it's gossip. That's plain and simple. If you're talking to somebody else about somebody else and they are not part of the problem or the solution, it's gossip. Peter says, put it away. Now, this is the menu of our junk food that has to go. But like all junk food, it tastes good. These are juicy sins. They really are. And all of us would drool over them. Gossip is so enjoyable. And envy, it's a tremendous thing to be envy. It just feels so good to the carnal nature. It tastes good. And junk food, physical junk food, tastes good. It's deceitful. The physical junk food that we have really deceives our taste buds. What it tells us is that it tastes so good, therefore it must be nourishing. Junk food is not nourishing. It just tastes good. Spiritual junk food tastes so good, but it's not nourishing. It's not nourishing. What's really good for us is healthy physical food and healthy spiritual food, and that's the pure milk of the Word of God. And what Peter is saying is like an infant longs for his mother's milk, 
You long with an intense desire to have God's word. You know what this word longing means? I was interested in looking this up. In the Greek Old Testament, it's translated in Psalm 42, verse 1, as the heart panteth or longs after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. As a heart who's been chased through the forest and just can't go anymore because he has to have water before he just breaks down and dies of dehydration and lack of water and he just breaks down, God says, you long for the pure milk of the word that way. You ever see a baby who wants mama's milk? They cry and fuss and they'll get you up in all hours of the night and they cry and fuss until they get that milk and then they're satisfied. God says, you long as a baby longs for its mother's breast. You long for the pure, unadulterated word of God, the living word. You long for God's word like that? I have to ask myself, do I long for God's word like that? We can read the Bible. It's so easy for me to fall into this category of reading the Bible professionally. I just read it and study it because I have to have a sermon. God doesn't want that. God wants you to read the word and study it because we need to know God better. You can read it just to get an experience. God doesn't want you to read it to get an experience. You can read it out of obligation. You've got to get your five minutes in each day. You can read it all kinds of motives. God says, you read it so that you might know me and that you might grow spiritually. But look at verse 3. If you've tasted the kindness of the Lord, Peter says, you were saved. You've tasted salvation. You know how good it tastes. Now God wants you to grow. Taste more of it. If you've tasted of his goodness, why wouldn't you take in more of the word of God? More of the word of God. I had no plans in doing this at this time. As I mentioned this morning, though, that I believe that God would have me to teach the next two Sundays on how to study and understand the Bible. What I'm going to share is not going to be Mickey Mouse stuff. Now, it's not going to be just for a Bible scholar. It's going to be for the average Christian. As I share these things, some of you may be very frustrated in your own Christian life as far as your study of the Word of God. Anybody can study and understand the Word of God. Maybe you've been deceived into thinking you have to go to seminary or Bible school. You don't. You just have to study it. And you can study the Word of God. You can know the Word of God as well as anybody. It's usually the truth that we don't study the Word because we're lazy, not because we don't know how. Anybody can learn how. Now, I'm not suggesting that you have the liberty of spending hours a day in the Word. But God hasn't asked you to spend hours a day. You have other responsibilities, your family, your job, your friends, your ministries. But God wants you to have an intense study. And he doesn't want you just to have devotions. You want to dig in and study the Word. You don't want to just read something. Someone's defined devotions as reading something for a few minutes that you have no understanding of. You want to read and understand the Bible. You want to dig in, whether it be 15 minutes, whether it be an hour, whether it be a half hour, Let God deal in your life on that. We want Lakeside to be a healthy church, and we'll only be a healthy, growing church when we as individuals are healthy, growing Christians. And it comes down to the Word of God. You will not grow if you only plan on being fed here. Now, it's helpful, but God says you ought to be studying the Word of God on a regular basis, not Sunday to Sunday. Listen, if I didn't eat physical food from Sunday to Sunday, I'd be thinner than I am. You may think that I don't eat much. That's not true. But, None of us would think of going one week without eating physical food. We can't do that with the Word of God. You've got to take it in on a regular basis. So we've seen that this book, God's Word, produces a special love for the brethren. We need to be fervent, fervent in our love for one another. It produces salvation. 
It's produced it in us, and it produces spiritual growth. It's the greatest book in the world, and I trust and I'm going to be praying that God will use these messages to cause us to be a church that is committed to the study of the Word of God. That each, Wouldn't that be exciting that each one of us and our individual lives are studying the Word and getting things out of it and not just looking at it and saying, I don't understand it. I look at it and I don't understand anything and I have to have somebody else teach me. God says we are to long for the Word. Thanks for tuning in to today's verse-by-verse radio program. That was a good admonition from Pastor Steve about how we spend time in God's Word, if we spend time in God's Word. It has to be more than just reading a passage of Scripture. At this time in history, we need healthy churches, and that won't happen if we are not in the Scriptures studying for ourselves. It will take more than just a cursory reading of the Bible, and certainly more than just showing up for church on Sundays. We need to carefully study God's Word, the Living Word, for ourselves. Verse by Verse features the teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you live in the Clearwater area, you are invited to worship with the folks at Lakeside Community Chapel. Please check out lakesidechapel.com for the location of the church and service times. And if you're able, please join us next time for Verse by Verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.